Welcome back to Diamond Gems. I'm your host, Jacob Coates, and today I am joined by my co-host and friend, Greg. Greg, how are things going? Good. Sunny day. Squeezed in a little workout. I haven't done that in a while, and you can tell the cardio health needs a little a little TLC lately, but other, yeah. other than huffing and puffing a little extra, doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I also have been kind of in that same boat. I started my slow pitch league like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, just being such a such a threat on the base paths as I, I always have been, I hit one to the gap and was going for a triple. And I got to third and felt like I was going to die. I was, you know, struggling to breathe. It's uh, it's tough. You know, you go an entire winter without really doing much cardiovascular exercise because, you know, we live in Canada. All, all I really do in the winter is run on a treadmill. And I feel like that's good for like, you know, your long distance working on it. But then when you actually like get to a full sprint for the first time and you start feeling your quads completely cramp up and your hamstrings tighten because you're like, your body's like, what the hell? I haven't, I haven't ran this fast in seven months. Now all of a sudden you're just throwing me into the fire. It's a, uh, it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Uh, well, I mean, that might be the reason that a lot of there's been a decent amount of injuries. I would actually say so far, though, this season, the injuries haven't been as serious as I thought they were going to be. I mean, we had the we had the shortened spring training. I thought we were going to come in and like every roster was just going to be absolutely depleted. Yeah. And I feel like last year it was way worse. And part of it, I think, was that, you know, with with COVID and stuff, they were still they were whole teams getting shut down for periods of time and stuff like that games getting postponed but in terms of actual injuries too there hasn't been anything like crazy like mm-hmm. the the most shocking one probably has been Bryce Harper with his yeah. UCL tear or partial UCL tear or whatever it is that has basically kept him at the, as a DH but i mean other than that like there hasn't been anything crazy off the top of my head i can think of Obviously, Scherzer and DeGrom both getting hurt, but that's not really shocking to me. I feel like both of those guys have battled injuries over the past few years, so it doesn't really surprise me that much. Um, I think- Acuna, I don't know if you saw that. Acuna is day-to-day right now. I don't think he's on the injured list. Yeah, I think but- the, there's one team, and I'm not going to say it. Don't make me say it. I don't want to be that guy, but there's one team that is historically with their roster prone to the dominoes falling and i'm not going to say it i if if you know you know what team this is um but fingers crossed it doesn't happen you never pray for injuries but there's one team that just seems like they're they're doing too well for for (laughs) things to to be going this smooth again i'm not going to say it you should know what i'm looking for looking for a rough patch uh you know someone to perhaps you know pull a ham pull one of their i don't know how how tall this guy that i'm thinking of is but he's very large and he's got a very long hamstring and it has been known to to pull or tear are we thinking of the same guy here greg um a potential mvp candidate yeah yeah and then one of the the pieces of of that team actually just went on the the il not a i i would say debatably a key piece but um one of these players just ended up on the il with a a very minor injury but 
let's hope it's not a sign of things to come. But yes, yeah. a very a very large piece to that team. I would like yeah, to we'll stay see. healthy. We'll see. Things yeah. are things are going okay right now for them. For the the Yankees. I'll say it. The Yankees is who Greg is referring to. Uh, I actually just looked up Acuna too because I, I had heard that he was injured, but I just went and he's played in the last three games. He literally only missed two games and then was back. So obviously anytime he gets hurt, especially after you know having offseason knee surgery, um, it's uh, obviously a little concerning that he is day-to-day with, with knee soreness or quadriceps actually is what it was. So, I mean, could be related to the knee still. You know better than I how the uh, the body is connected but uh, he's fine so that's that's good so we can get on with what we were supposed to be talking about right now also if you be- want to before we pass this up i yes the yankees are one team but the other team i was thinking of i'm not going to say their name but also very similar attribute as a team and a player one in the il they're doing well they are in the american league not the east maybe not even the central i'm still not going to say say the team but they have one big piece of that puzzle that is a perennial IL stint player that I'm not going to say their name. I'm not getting this one. This one's not they, coming to me. They're, Give they're, me bigger clues. They're not the Dodgers, but they're kind of from the same area. Oh, oh yeah. Perhaps uh, in the same region as Disneyland? Potentially. <laughs> I'm not gonna might say start it. with an A. Yeah. Might be a double A type of uh, situation. Yeah, I'm not okay. gonna say it. The Blue Jays might just be playing them this weekend. They could be. They could they be could playing be. in Who an knows? hour. <laughs> <laughs> they could be. Greg, the Angels. Do you think they're for real, or do you think that this is just uh, luck so far? What's happening? I'm I'm jumping ahead of our our iten- our itinerary here, but we might as right. well just get into it. I like it. Um, I think they're for real. I think they have Tyler Wade, which I think could be an unsung hero for them because coming from the Yankees, I followed them closely. Super utility guy, can play essentially any position, and he slots perfectly into the lineup behind studs like Jared Walsh. Yes, I think he's a stud. Um, You got Taylor Ward, who is playing like the best player in baseball for a stretch. You got the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. You have debatably the best player in baseball in Shohei Otani. You got a starting rotation that's firing on debatably all cylinders. Um, I think they're a machine, personally. Yeah. I mean, they've had some interesting... The two pieces to their rotation that have been quite impressive so far and like kind of surprising, I guess, and the two biggest question marks, I think, were Noah Syndergaard, obviously, people wondering if he could you know, stay healthy. It's been so long since we've seen a complete season from Noah Syndergaard. And obviously so far he has been quite good. He's currently got a 308 ERA, a 108 whip, uh, only 27 strikeouts. The The strikeout rate has been lower than usual, but still a four and two record. He's had some, he's had a couple starts where he got a little bit roughed up, but for the most part, he's been quite good. Uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, coming off the injuries and just kind of shaking the rust off and stuff. I, I've been very impressed with, with Syndergaard so far. And, I mean, he, he looks healthy. Let's let's hope it stays that way. I huh. think we've both been kind of cheering for the Angels as much as 
you know their competition and everything it's it's, yeah. it's a team that we've wanted to see be able to fire on all cylinders and compete because we want to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the postseason we've talked about this before and I think I was fading them heavily at the beginning of the season because of the injury problems and also the question marks in the rotation those question marks Noah Syndergaard so mm-hmm. far has been great and then the other one I had was uh, Michael Lorenzen in the rotation as well because he was a guy who was a pretty good reliever for the Cincinnati Reds but never really got his shot to start for the Angels or for for the Reds the Angels pick him up uh, sign him he was a free agent I believe and tell him he's got you know he's got a pretty long leash here as the starter and so far he has been quite good as well I'm just going to pull up his numbers here but they also got Reed Detmers throwing a no hitter out here that doesn't hurt that does not hurt he's a rookie not a lot of swing and miss stuff but a little pitch to contact guy they have a very interesting rotation their their ace is actually one of the best hitters in the league then you have Noah Syndergaard who people associate with the New York Mets in his prime and then just injuries and then you have Michael Lorenzen, who has, like, the biggest fucking arms you've ever seen on a pitcher. Guy's absolutely jacked. Looks like he just goes out and, like, just rips curls all day at the <laughs> gym. And then goes out on the mound and is, is pitching six, seven innings at a time for the Angels. And then you got, uh, was it, is it Pat, yeah, Patrick Sandoval, I believe his first name is, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. He's actually a guy that I, I picked up because I, I looked in the – on baseball savant and stuff uh prior to our fantasy drafts this year and he had a lot of red on his baseball savant uh page so that's a good thing if you if you aren't familiar with that but basically a lot of underlying metrics supporting that he was actually quite good last year and even stood to gain in terms of performance he's been very good uh pulling up patrick sandoval's numbers right now He's got a 179 ERA, 117 whip, and a 3 and 1 record so far early in the season. Uh, he's going up today against the Blue Jays. But uh, yeah, he's been great. And then, like you said, Reed Detmers also. Like their rotation has been very, very good so far. And that's that's been the difference because we always knew this offense was was good, at mm-hmm. least at the top, with, you know, obviously Shohei and Trout. And then Rendon has been better than now, he was last year. I would say Rendon is comes comes to mind first, absolutely first, bar none, far and away the most skewed player talent wise because of juiced and non juiced balls. He had that debatable MVP contender season with the juiced balls where he hit what thirty five home runs, and he hasn't even come close to the same area code since. Mm-hmm. Now is in the middle of the juice ball era, so uh, he he's just a guy that I think I don't know if he's capable of ever doing that again, um, and it just kind of skews the perception of him because he had one MVP candidate season. I think he's a little bit over overrated per se. Still a quality hitter, he'll hit for average. He's not going to put up 35 bombs again. Well, so far this year, I actually just found out uh, last night at 1 a.m. It was announced that. Anthony Rendon is being placed on the 10-day injured list mm-hmm. because of right wrist inflammation. So, yeah. uh, I mean, that's obviously a concern for, for him as well. Uh, 
given what he was facing last year. And I mean, the biggest part I think of his lack of success last season had to be injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so far this year, though, he's got a 242 average, uh, five homers, 23 RBIs. So he obviously isn't the MVP caliber player so far that you had spoke of in the past, but much better and, you know, able to contribute a lot more this year so far than he was last year. So, I mean, hopefully he's not on there for too long because that's going to hurt them. The other guy, like Taylor Ward, coming kind of out of nowhere and being really good. I think he was one of their top prospects, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, he's supposed to be good. He wasn't supposed to be this good. Yeah, there was someone, I can't even remember who it was that I was listening to. Someone was talking about how it's hilarious that, like, so far this season, on a team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, like, they're the second and third best players in the world because Taylor Ward is number one. <laughs> also, just for reference, I'm going to keep this pulled up for when we touch on other teams because I got some uh, info to share that people aren't going to like. But the Angels rank for strength of schedule dead center in the league for the rest of the way. They are 15th of 30 for the rest of the season. So they have the most moderate schedule going forward. Hmm. For for the record, any guesses on who has the hardest re- strength of schedule by almost a landslide, really? In the American League or just in general? In, in the MLB. I would say the Yankees. The Yankees have the sixth or seventh easiest. Um, really? The Blue Jays. I thought they'd play... Oh, shit. That's they not have, ideal. They have a... Based on opponent records so far, they have by mm. far and away the hardest remaining schedule. Hmm tough well i don't love that i actually thought it was the yankees because i people have been talking about how they just keep beating up on the orioles and shitty teams and stuff so i figured they have some some uh, some harder times coming up but i guess not also i just need to correct myself terrell award is not like a top prospect he was drafted by the tampa bay rays in the 31st round of the 2012 draft he's 28 years old he's been with the angels uh on his baseball reference page 2018 2019 2020 21 22 so he's been around uh, he, the last two seasons he did have a 716 and a 769 ops uh so he's been like kind of average the last couple of years so i mean i guess it's possible that he's you know coming into his prime and could be good but i mean you can't expect him to put up a 232 ops plus for the rest of the season no so there is some you know regression coming i think for the angels but i mean what they've showed so far is that they are definitely better at least on the pitching front than mm-hmm. they were last year so i mean that's it's good it's i think definitely good to see i think angels outlook um i would like to see them finish second in the division uh, obviously the astros are likely going to run away with it and then it's three teams at the bottom which are the the A's and the Rangers who are going to duke it out for last and second last in the AL West. I don't think I'm offending anyone by saying that. And then the team that could potentially make a a little bit of a run at that second in the AL West spot would be the Mariners, who we expected to do a lot better than what they're doing now. I'm going to share my, my little stat here with the Mariners. Not really a stat, but information on the Mariners that fans are not going to like. They have the fourth hardest schedule remaining, and they have gotten out to a tough start. Uh, so Some I might say a horrid start. Yeah, so I don't like 
Seattle's chance of being that dark horse top team in the league that we and many other people maybe expected them to be. Yeah, so we put out our power rankings at the beginning of the season, like before the year started, and we unanimously, the three of us, Isaac, Greg, and I, had picked the Mariners as our 10. Just sneaking in because we just we're, we were doing our top 10 power rankings. We didn't do like we didn't really go beyond that, but we all three of us had the Mariners as our number 10. So, and I think that we, we were discussing this before we started the show. It wasn't so much that we thought that like they were a lock to be a top 10 team by any means. We all just had them as like our flyer. Like these are the guys that have the potential to be a top 10 team when it's all said and done at the end of the year. We like the Mariners. We wanted to give them, you know, some props. They were just on the outside looking in last year, missed the playoffs by like one game or something like that. And then, of course, they go out and add Robbie Ray. They add Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. They they made some big pickups and and good moves in the offseason so to be just on the outside looking in last year and then this season and then in the offseason you know go out and add some big guys I think it was I don't regret picking them so far despite the fact that they currently sit with a 20 win and 27 loss record Um, obviously there's still time to turn it around they're still a little slow moving four and six in their last 10 um the Angels, Greg, also just looking at this, they've actually not done well in their last 10 either. They're on a four-game losing streak, uh, three of those coming at the hands of my Toronto Blue Jays. And then, yeah, they're 3-7 th- and seven in their last 10, obviously not ideal. Uh, they still got a 27-21 and 21 record, but it'll be interesting. I think uh, the Angels and potentially the Mariners, if they can kind of turn things around here, are definitely going to be competing for a wild card spot, not the division. I mean, Houston is just going to run away with it, I think. And Uh, we'll see. I think when it comes to the Mariners, number one, they were, we were, everyone was thinking or banking too much on Eugenio Suarez hitting 40 bombs again. I don't know if that's going to happen. He's a... I wasn't banking. (laughs) He's he's closer to a 200 hitter than a 300 hitter. Um, I think Jesse Winker is underperforming. I think he'll probably speed it up a, a little bit or pick it up. Jared Kelnick was obviously a huge disappointment for that team. He's uh, been a huge disappointment, man. Yeah. Crazy. He hasn't had a good stri- He hasn't found a groove one time. He hasn't had back-to-back even a, a string of games of any sort where he's put it together. Um, on the other hand, the J-Rod show, uh, Julio Rodriguez, he's having a decent year. He's staying in the majors, but... What I think is going to make a big turnaround for the team, and this could foreshadow potentially some of my uh, fantasy notes later, is uh, the addition of Kyle Lewis. He's on a a bit of a a stretch right now, back-to-back games with a home run, and he just came back earlier last week. Um, I actually have him on my fantasy roster. Happy about that addition. But I think things are... another league. Yeah, I think things are looking up for the Mariners. I mean, when you're this low, you can only look up, so... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I mean, J. Rod is kind of looking like a favorite for the American League Rookie of the Year so far. He's got 276 average, uh, six home runs, 22 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases, which I believe is leading baseball. 
So, 2020 threat. Yeah, definitely. He's uh he's exceeded hype. Jared Kalanick, on the other hand, back in the minors. Yeah. He's not going well. That's I actually did. I had like Kyle Lewis too. You know, he did you realize he's day to day now, Greg? He's scratched no, from the lineup today for some reason, undisclosed reason. So we'll have to check in on that. But he is coming back from offseason knee surgery, and so that's definitely concerning as well. But I mean, let's let's hope he's all right for both of our fantasy team's sake and for his sake and for the Mariners. But uh, Greg, I just wanted to kind of check in here on how things are going with our power rankings so far. Sure. So for those of you who don't remember our power rankings episode, which is fair, probably even those who were avid listeners back in the back in that for that episode, probably don't remember exactly what our power rankings were because I didn't even remember I had to pull it up. So we had the Dodgers number one. That's looking good. I would say. Yeah. Uh, Blue Jays, number two. Obviously, so so far, they're not the number two team, but I would say it's not completely impossible. The Blue Jays, obviously, their offense has has not quite been there yet, but I've liked what I've seen at least over the last, uh, you know, five or six games here. It seems like they're starting to put things together a little bit better. So uh, I'm not too worried about that one yet. The Atlanta Braves, Craig, we had number three. Also not looking good. What the hell's going on with the Braves? It's a tough start for them. They're just maybe it's just a new team, new faces gelling together. They just called up that big prospect, uh, something Harris, Mike Harris. Yeah, Mike name. Harris the second or something like that. Yeah, they they don't have an easy schedule moving forward either. They're bottom eight, or I guess top eight in difficult schedule, bottom eight in strength of schedule, which uh, doesn't bode well for a Braves team with repeat aspirations. What do you have their record pulled up right there, Greg? Yeah, it's twenty two and twenty five. Yeah. So below five hundred is not optimal for the number three team that we had. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, last year this is this is we're these predictions are for not right now. That's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about where are they gonna be at the end of the season. So I mean, I still have confidence that the Braves could be a top three team. They're not like it's not like they're, you know, 40 losses deep at this point like a hole that they can't climb out of like Mm -hmm. they're just under 500 and last year they were what about 500 going into the all-star break a little bit over 500 going into the all-star break and then ended up winning the world series so this is a team that can turn it on and get hot and i still have confidence that they're going to be able to do that Mm -hmm. new york mets number four greg we had that is actually i'm feeling good about that one right now because This is one that we got a lot of flack for and people saying the Mets shouldn't even be within the top 10. Doesn't matter who they picked up in the off season, like the Mets are going to met. And let's be fair. There's definitely still a lot of time for the wheels to fall off here, but so far things are looking good. What are, what are, what's their record right now? I know obviously they're first in the East, but uh, 31 and 17. So they are, one of, is that the third best record in all of baseball? Yeah, one of three teams with thirty wins or more. Yeah, so that's looking that's looking pretty nice. Uh, Chicago White Sox. Ooh. This one is not looking too good. They're looking super mid so far. They still and got turnaround time. They, definitely. They, they just DFA'd Keuchel. Keuchel's out. Did they? Yeah. Oh no. Poor guy. Uh they got Kopech to fill that spot. They didn't expect Kopech to 
go off like he's been going off. And Isaac's uh, AL Cy Young pick, Dylan Cease. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the White Sox chances of turning it around. Where do you think, uh, do you think Keuchel getting DFA'd, where do you think he might end up? On his couch. I don't think anyone's yeah. picking him up. You don't think anyone's hiring him? No. You don't, you, what about like the Cincinnati Reds or like the Oakland A's? Oh, the Oakland oh. A's won't do it because it's like too cheap, too expensive probably. Okay. I could see the Washington Nationals picking him up because they have stockpiled old guys and middle-aged yep. guys that are past their prime in hopes of a, a little bit of a hot streak and dealing for picks and assets at the deadline. I think that's a good a good potential landing spot. I think someone is going to give him another shot just to cut like a team. I think it'll be a non-contender that just wants to, you know, have someone that could potentially come out there and eat up some innings. And then, like you said, kind of maybe garner a little bit of fan or a little bit of potential trade value at the deadline if if they've been pitching well of late. So I, I do expect him to get work somewhere else. But what, uh, what about a team like Boston? I mean, that would be probably the worst place that he could go. A left-hand, <laughs> left-handed soft tosser who has been terrible of late with, you know, the, the green monster there. Not I'm just, ideal. I'm just thinking, I don't, I don't know if Chris Sale's ever going to pitch this season. He keeps seems to be in an endless cycle of hurt, comes back for a game, hurt, come back for a game, hurt, throw the lefty in the rotation. I mean, if as a Yankees fan, I hope the Red Sox pick, pick him up, pay him big bucks, and end up DF, DFAing him themselves. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think you're far off in thinking that, like, it's definitely possible that a team like the Red Sox, who are trug- like struggling, trying to find footing, and are having trouble finding starting pitchers to fill innings and stuff, just take a shot on someone like that, like out of desperation. Mm-hmm. Definitely possible. All right, back to our power rankings. Number six, we had the Tampa Bay Rays. That's all right right now. What are they, 27 and 22 or something like that? Uh, They are 27 and 19. Ah. They're actually up on the Yankees right now. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I'm okay with that. Houston Astros, number seven. Looks like we had them too far up the rankings. They should have been probably, or too low on the rankings. I don't know how we would classify that the higher number is not a good thing it yeah. should they should be a lower number on our yeah. rankings probably. they should be closer closer to the top top three four mm-hmm. i do remember we put the uh i had the astros kind of faded because of the question marks in their rotation as well and so far those have been answered justin verlander is clearly going to win the cy young I, I nailed that pick i'm not going to say clearly there is a there is a guy on the new york yankees that could give him a run for his money I'd say there's a there's a question in the air, but he is the favorite. I'll agree with that. <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers number eight. They're leading the division. That was uh seemed like a safe pick, honestly. Although you didn't think so. I think you had the Brewers outside, didn't you? I had them like fourteen or fifteen. How you feeling about that? See, long season. Freddie Peralta is out for the season pretty much. Yeah, I not the I, entire season. I don't have faith in their lineup hitting. I don't have faith in their pitching, pitching to a Cy Young candidate or level as they did last year. So we'll see. I also had the, I had the Astros outside the top 10 too. So That's a rough one. That's, yeah, a, that's tough. a tough look. But yeah. it's okay. You were saved by our you know, our, our joint rankings. It, it made yeah. you look better. Yeah. And you know what else, Greg? 
You know who weaseled into our top 10 because of you, and now, thank God, they did? They Right now, they would be one or two. Yeah, they would. The New York Yankees yeah. slotted in as our number nine pick. And this was because Isaac and I were just talking a lot of shit about the Yankees. We were saying there's not a fucking chance. They're, they're old, decrepit. Their rotation sucks. You know, Did you bullpen know? is mid. Boy, you, were we wrong about them. Garrett Cole has the worst ERA of their starting five right now. He has a 3-3-1 after yesterday. And Jordan Montgomery is next highest on the list at 3-3-0. Obviously, Nasty Nestor is leading the way. I think he's sub 1.8 now. But their, uh, their rotation I mean, is... 3-3-1 rota- is nothing to scoff at. That's, a, that's pretty solid. <laughs> and the, wor- the worst one of the five, too, so... They're yeah. pitching well. That's a sustainability thing that I think will go away, which kind of sucks to say, but we'll see. Yeah, but I mean, there's still the potential. Obviously, the numbers aren't going to stay as low as they are, but even if they go up a little bit, they're still going to be... It lo- It looks like they could be in a pretty decent spot for the rest of the season, so... Yeah. So, yeah. And, and honestly, Nestor Cortez, man, a really fun pitcher to watch. He's like <laughs> He's one of those rare pitchers now that, like, if I see that he's scheduled to start, I'll like that's an MLB TV game that I'm popping up on my on my screen here. Yeah. And then number ten, as we discussed, the Seattle Mariners we have sitting at number ten. If you were gonna replace the number ten right now, Greg, what team would you put in there? Because there's a couple that you know have been off to good starts here that aren't in our top 10 and possibly will be at the end of the year. There's, there's three that come to mind. I think one of them, I'll, I'll say the the Padres, I don't think are going to be there because as much as I hate to say it, when they get Tatis back, I think it's going to disrupt what they got going on and they might, you know, fall a little bit. So I don't think the Padres will end up there. Um, the other thought I had was either the twins or the angels. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I have a choice over those two or who I prefer, but one of those two teams I think would be a good slot in at number ten team. Twins Angels for sure came to mind for me. Padres is a great one to bring up as well. They're twenty nine and seventeen currently, second in the NL West. I don't know. I kind. I mean, I disagree with you. I think anytime you get one of the best players in baseball back on your team, I think that they're going to be fine and be be good especially now with the designated hitter spot like if he's struggling in the field and hurting them defensively they can just put him as the designated hitter and you know in an in an effort of trying to keep him healthier maybe they give him more starts at designated hitter i don't know i i don't think you get worse by tatis coming back but i think out of all of these teams so far the least sustainable i mean the Angels right now, they're not like they're not crazy yet. You know, they haven't been insanely good. So I think that they could kind of sustain the level that they're they're going at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Twins, on the other hand, seem a little less sustainable to me. Twenty eight and nineteen. I don't know. Just they're asking a lot from guys like Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray. Uh, I don't know. I can't even think of who else is in their rotation really. But yeah, but they got Byron Buxton. And if he yeah, stays he's healthy gonna, at the top of Greg, the lineup, he's going to get hurt at some point. But what if he doesn't? That's a that's like saying 
you set the record for home runs for a second baseman and you don't hit a home run all of next season for the first three months. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's the what if factor. I mean, Byron Buxton so far, Greg, hit batting 202 this season. Did you yeah, know but that? He, yeah, but he hits tanks. So Yeah, he does have 11 home runs. Only one stolen base, too. What a weird season for him so far. Yeah. He's, poten- he's, he's finally potentially... healthy, and now he's hitting 202. Like, he's a guy that normally when he's healthy, you expect him to be, like, the best player in baseball. Yeah. He is, like, the, the Nestor Cortez, entertainment-wise, of center fielders, position players for me right now. Like you said, you throw on a Nestor game if he's pitching. I'd probably throw on a Byron Buxton game if, you know, there's a whole slate of games going on. It'd, it'd be up there in my thoughts. Are you tuning in to watch Marcus Semien play baseball right now, Greg? No, but I saw the first Semien highlight I've seen all season come, what was it, yesterday? I don't know. I didn't see it. He, can I, can I break the news or do you want to break it? No, tell me. He finally hit his first tank. Oh, no. I had and on the notes here that he still hadn't hit one. <laughs> he, he hit a grand slam for his first bomb against the A's, albeit, but... They're up 5-1, uh, Texas, that is, and bases juice, and he had an opposite opposite field right center bomb to break his cold streak. Also, the Rays just beat the Yankees today, so officially. Oh, he he right really now. loves hitting against the A's because he hit a homer last year for the Blue Jays against the A's as well and right. was, like, in that se- in the series, like, was very, very good against the A's. Yeah, it was uh, yeah so far, though, things aren't going too well for him. He's got a 522 OPS right now, average sub 200. He's got a 54 OPS plus. Yikes. First home run. This is coming from one of the higher paid players in baseball. Is he making Not ideal. 30, 30 mil, something like that? I don't know what his AAV is, but, I mean, he got a $250 million contract. <laughs> That's Which bad. is just fucked to think about. And he's like 30, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's only 30, going down 31. from here. Yeah. Oh. That, that was a questionable decision. I mean, I, you questioned that. You said that was the worst off-season move, you said, were the Texas Rangers signing Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. Yeah, Two of I the biggest pickups were the worst move. I stand by it. Look, Brand, well, you, you brought up Semien's stats. that Texas isn't winning a ton of ball games, so I stand by it. You spend. Yeah, I mean, you said that they spent their entire budget on them and weren't going to win. Still, it wasn't going to be enough to put them over the edge. You've, you've been right so far. Corey Seager, Greg, not been that good either. 237 average, 726 OPS, 111 OPS plus. He does have nine home runs. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not the level of production you want from half a billion dollars. Yeah. Looking rough so far. Who who, a, who else got that. signed for let's say half the price, even less than half the price? That's put up better numbers. Just bar- will, bargain deals they could have gone out and got. Listen, I don't I don't know if it's I'm I'm sure this is way less than half. But how about the guy that's actually replacing <laughs> Marcus Semien so far for the Toronto Blue Jays, Santiago Espinal? Didn't he Santiago so far, Greg? 275 batting average, 732 OPS. That's a 114 OPS plus. Nothing crazy, but, you know, he's hitting 275. He's double the home runs of Marcus Semien with two. (laughs) (laughs) 
18 RBIs, three stolen bases, playing great defense. You know, he's been better than Marcus Semien so far this year. This was a guy that we were talking in the offseason. We're like, they're going to have a huge hole to fill with Marcus Semien. Problem solved. Santiago Espinal is is the solution. You could say he's debatably twice as good, too, if not more. I think it's fair to say. I mean, Semien's got a 194 batting average. Santiago, 275. OPS plus. One home run for Semien. Two home runs for Santiago Espinal. Come on. Yeah. Killing him. I'd take Espinal right now. Yeah. Well, what what other options are out there at short instead of uh, Corey Seager? Hmm, maybe the guy that is leading the Minnesota Twins <laughs> so far to one of their best seasons in recent memory. I mean, I was I was thinking budget shortstops that you could have saved yourself thirty million dollars a season and signed for like a million or two. I don't know if those those were signed. Maybe Tyler Wade, Tyler Wade from the <laughs> Angels, could have picked the biggest up Tyler Wade fan of all time, Greg Fold. <laughs> Did you know Shohei Otani calls him? I don't know what the word is. Basically, calls him hot guy in Japanese. Yeah, That's I did nickname. hear that. <laughs> Fuck, that I don't know sick. what what the actual Japanese word is, but I did hear the the translation as well. Yeah, really uh, just is this an Angels podcast? I think so. I mean, we didn't talk about them that much in the last several episodes. We could talk about them. They're a fun team to watch, man. You yeah. you, I'm watching Angels games. Like, they're they're fun. If, they got a lot going on there. If you said a year ago, I'm watching Angels games because they're fun, I would say Shohei Otani or Mike Trout is who you're watching. But now it could be one of many players, Jared Walsh, Taylor Ward, Noah Syndergaard, like you name it. They just got guys firing on all cylinders. We've already talked about this. but Anthony Rendon hitting left-handed. Yeah. I see that too. Yeah. This just made me think, Like, I want to look at uh, Carlos Correa's stats as well here so i just pulled them up he's only got three home runs 16 rbis uh 289 batting average 778 ops 132 ops plus trash well the good (laughs) the good news for him the good news for him is he's gonna make 30 plus million dollars each of the next couple seasons either way because he's got the player option at the end of this year where he's just gonna buy back in for 30 million bucks a year with the twins or if he shatters the league and just rips the head off of baseballs, he's going to go sign somewhere else and opt out and sign for another thirty-plus million dollars. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's been quiet. Like, I swear, when when he was with Houston, I mean, obviously he made headlines and stuff with the cheating scandal and all of that. But I have like heard nothing about Carlos Correa in the last while. Like, I haven't seen highlights and shit. Like, I've seen next to nothing and when he was with the Astros I feel like I couldn't get him off my screen he was always popping up on like MLB's feed and just on you know your your everyday highlights and it's I, the, I'm not seeing that from him so far I think it's the market he's into with the Astros it was fresh off the scandals and he's got other star players around not to say there's no stars in Minnesota there's less less press with the stars in Minnesota so Maybe that plays in. I know Trevor Plouffe on the John Boy uh, Media podcast. I, I think I was talking baseball. He was saying that Correa, to be successful in Minnesota, had to embrace the the villain role, and I don't think he's embraced it at all. He hasn't been 
out there saying the shit he usually says. He hasn't been, you know, up to, to his, his wrist. Yeah, up to his on-field antics. He he seems like you said just quietly going about his business. He was hurt. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's is is that what's lacking for him right now? He doesn't have that edge, and it's it's kind of hurting his his on-field performance a little bit. Maybe maybe he just needs more cameras in front of him. I don't know. He might be one of those guys that shines under the bright lights. Who knows? Yeah. Well, All right, where were we in this, Greg? What do, what do we got to talk about still? I mean, Semyon, we've already unfortunately had to talk about him. Oh, how, how about Tommy Pham? <laughs> yeah, I that guy's got some, some issues in his head, I think. Maybe you said he does MMA, right? Maybe he's taking a few too many hits, hits to the dome. Yeah, a little bit of CTE kicking yeah. in or something like that. Yeah. You so wanna... for those of you who are unaware, Tommy Pham is at it again. We mentioned earlier this season. We we talked about it. We put out the graphic. Tommy Pham was calling out Luke Voigt because of a slide that happened in a game between the Padres and the Reds where Luke Voigt comes barreling around third base, slides into home, and Tyler Stevenson, the catcher of the Reds, is kind of leaning over to his left to make the tag and just kind of gets hit by Voigt as he's sliding in. Stevenson ends up with a concussion and is obviously shaken up, and Tommy Pham comes to the defense of his catcher, calling the slide dirty as fuck. It wasn't even a dirty slide at all. If you actually go and watch it, he's literally just trying to slide home. And, you know, he's a big guy, happens to run into the head of the catcher. But then, you know, there's obviously all these interviews and stuff that come out after of him talking about how dirty the slide is and everything like that. So made headlines, said that he would fight Luke Voigt. So, of course, we had to make a tale of the tape post to uh, show, you know, weights and age and reach and all that type of shit. He's He's got another event lined up now, Greg. He has his next opponent lined up. So, Who is that? Uh, young Jock. Uh, is that his, uh, his fighting name, his, his stage it name? Is. Uh one thing, I think Jock saw this coming because you look at him 2018 with the Dodgers, he looks, we'll say slim thick, but now Jock Peterson looks like he's, you know, he's been hitting the he's taco carts it. late at night. He's he's loving it in San Francisco. I don't know what they're putting on their food there, but maybe Jock was like, you know what, I got I got something something brewing here. I'm, I'm a fighter. I need to pack on a little bit of weight, even out the scales. Maybe he saw it coming, so I don't know. Jock with the pearls around his neck, he could... Uh, he could take Tommy. You think so? No, no chance. You... <laughs> I was gonna say you took uh, you took Voight in the other fight as well, just based on on the size. I don't know if uh, if you can take Jock in this fight. To be fair, if yeah. I, I've got the numbers pulled up here, he's got four years on Tommy Pham. They're the same height, six one. Tommy Pham got three pounds on him, two twenty three. Jock weighing in at 220. They're basically the same size guy. I would say that Jock probably now is more closer to like 230, 235. This is just based on his baseball reference weight here, but I would say he's probably closer to about about 220 or 230. 
I don't know. It, with with the Tommy Fam MMA training, I, I think that Tommy's probably got the uh, the upper hand on this one. Jock Jock seems like a lover, not a fighter to me. I agree, but he forgot about Jocktober. He shows up when the moment's big, so you never know what's good. Like Jock could be training with Tommy Fam's trainers enemy for life that mortal enemy that he knows is going to kick his ass every time he jock called that guy up hired him and he's just getting ready he's he's a playoff big stage performer he throws the pearls on you never know he just gets one all he needs is one shot you know he's just he's up against the fence taking blows and then boom one punch right to the chin maybe he's a strategy guy he's gonna maybe he'll tuck and roll when tommy goes for like a a what do, what do they call that a straddle or um a grapple <laughs> a grapple that's it right tries to grab his leg and he tucks and rolls and just plays the angles and yeah you know gets him gets know. him in a pin jock not... likes to keep people guessing you know coming yeah. like you said coming out with the pearls he's always got some some crazy outfits going on he likes to keep people on his toes but this might be something we don't even know about maybe jock is a fighter i think so we'll have to we'll have to see i think i would watch this pay-per-view event if we could pick the referee because i'm i'm picking angel hernandez to to officiate the fight and it would be hilarious maybe maybe (laughs) cowboy joe joe west maybe throw him in there he'd have some things to say so for those of you like i said if you if you don't know what we're talking about basically it was what two nights ago now uh in San Francisco, Cincinnati Reds are in town visiting. Pre-game, we find out the two players had to be separated and held back from each other. Uh, the teams both intervened to make sure that the didn't go any further. Didn't know who it was at first. Comes out a little bit later that there was an altercation between Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson. Didn't really know anything else. Then more reports come out that Tommy Pham allegedly slapped Jock Peterson before the game. He got, he fucking clocked him too. Yeah. What? Wait, is there a video of it? Yeah. It's like a a grainy behind the scenes TMZ style video. And when, when Pham connects, you see like, I don't know if it's a tooth or just a spit that comes out of Jock's mouth because he fucking connects 10 out of 10 and something pops out. His head recoils. It's a good video. Go watch it. Jesus Christ, how did I not see that? Okay, send send the link to me if you got it there. Twi- Twitter is a magical thing. <laughs> I guess I could search it on there as well. Uh, but yeah, so Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson. Had no idea what it's about. Tommy Pham then opens up in an interview and says, yeah, I slapped Jock. We find out, Greg, this was about fantasy football. Over a year ago, there was a dispute between Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson in their fantasy football league, apparently about Jock stashing someone on the (laughs) IR, and Tommy Pham thought that it wasn't fair that he was stashing someone on the IR, thought it was, quote, sketchy shit going on, and there was too much money on the line, and that uh, Jock was, quote, fucking with his money. So, uh, yeah, the slap basically was that. Oh, also that he said some disrespectful shit. I believe he said that as well. Did Did so, you see what the what the details of that was were? What about the disrespectful shit? Yeah, 
No. So basically, the the funny part is Tommy Pham was getting mad that Jock was stashing this guy on his IR because he was listed at out. And when they're listed as out, you can put him on the IR. The funny part is Tommy Pham had someone listed as out on his own IR in the same league and got pissed that Jock Peterson was doing the same thing. Um, regardless, there was a group chat and it had they had like four or five Padres players in it and Jock Peterson, whoever else. And Jock posted a gif of three weightlifters that were lifting weights over their head. And one of them had like a Giants logo, Dodgers logo, and a Padres logo. And the Giants and Dodgers weightlifter guys threw the weight up and they're all good. And the Padres weightlifter throws the weight up and it comes back down and smashes them. So Tommy Pham thought it was offensive, I guess, and took it to heart that that Jock was trying to call him out. And basically Tommy Pham said, like, no, I don't know you well enough to be talking shit like that. That's not even a, like that's just rousing some yeah. some guy. Jock kept oh the receipts. God. Jock went on uh, like a video on Sportsnet and was like, "Yeah, right here." And he like scrolled through the whole conversation and showed the gif and everything. Oh my god! Yeah, it's funny. It's fucking clown behavior from Tommy Fam. This guy has like literally has some serious issues. We mentioned before that he got stabbed at a strip club in San Diego before, and. I'm starting to see maybe why this happened. <laughs> yeah. This guy is so confrontational about tiny shit. Like it's it's ridiculous. The clearly he was in the wrong in the Luke Voigt situation. It was not a dirty slide. And now it seems that he's in the wrong again here to to slap someone for that for the things that you just brought up is absolutely ridiculous. He got suspended for 3 games for it and the, you know, the, the crazy thing is apparently Jock had said that this is a, the first time that they've actually met in person. This was the first time he met Tommy Pham, and he was greeted by a cold, hard slap across the face. Yeah, it's a good warm welcome. Yeah, I mean, do you want to continue talking about violence, Greg? Because today is the five-year anniversary of Bryce Harper and Hunter Strickland's fight. You remember that? Yeah, I remember it happened. I'm trying to remember the video. So, basically, Bryce Harper in the box. Him and Hunter Strickland had some beef in the past. I don't remember exactly what it was. I think that Bryce kind of pimped a home run or something, and Strickland maybe barked at him, and then the next time they faced each other, Strickland hit him, and Bryce steps in the box. This is, uh, it was in San Francisco, I believe. Phillies were in town. Ball comes comes cruising in, hits him right in the lower back, clearly intentional, like threw his hardest fastball right at him. And Bryce just points at him with his bat and says, I'm fucking coming out there. And then he's, he literally just runs at him, grabs the helmet. You remember? He's, he's like winding up with the helmet, goes to throw the helmet, not even close, just clearly <laughs> slips out of his hand, like goes down towards like first base. And then they meet on the mound and... Bryce throws a couple haymakers, misses both of them. Hunter Strickland looks like he lands like at least one or two punches. And then, you know, the benches come flying in and people just get taken out all over. But one of the best, like, on mound, like, actual fights, because both guys had, like, about two or three seconds to actually get a couple shots in before the, the benches actually got out there. Typically, you see someone get hit, and then they start going out. And before the two even meet, you know, they've been separated already. They've, there's enough people in the mix 
that have held them apart. This is one of those scenarios where it was like a hockey-style fight. Like, they meet on the mound, and it's like go time. for they, they have a little bit of time to get some punches in before the refs step in and and break it up. In this case, obviously, umpires and, and players. But So I just watched the video again. I, for, I completely forgot how good this is. So it was actually Nats Bryce. So pre-Phillies. I, it must have been the year before he we went over. And... Bryce comes out, obviously, yeah, points at him, says, I'm fucking coming, misses with the helmet, and Bryce absolutely connects with Hunter's jaw, but good for really? Strickland for standing in there, because he's just like, all right, Bryce. It doesn't I, even I, look I, like he got hit by it. Yeah, is, he doesn't even flinch. He just, Bryce connects right in his jaw, and he, like the head doesn't even snap back or anything. Like, Hunter Strickland's a tough dude. Yeah, that was one of those, one of those great scraps. Greg, would you... <laughs> You know, baseball is one of these sports, actually, where I think that they could benefit from actually letting the batter and the pitcher go toe-to-toe once in a while. Because if you think about how dangerous it is, basically that pitchers can just take the ball and just throw it 100 miles an hour at someone without any consequences generally, like, that seems fucked up. Mm -hmm. If any sport were to gain from giving guys, like, a minute to just exchange blows on like out in the center of everyone just has to hold off for like 10 seconds and before they get in there and separate them i think it would be baseball because i i i guarantee you there would be less hit by pitches if that was the case because batters or pitchers aren't going to want to have to answer to these guys They're, they're not used to having to answer the bell they just drill the guy and then that's it and then they now with the dh as well there's literally like no chance that they're ever going to have to step in the box and face retribution for it. Yeah. So. I think pitchers are a little more slender dudes for the most part too. So I, I don't hate the idea. I also have a second point. I think we'd see Tommy Pham start taking up pitching. <laughs> Just so that he could egg people on and then yeah. fight them when they come out there. Yeah. 10, 10, one game, a little out of hand, ninth inning, you throw Tommy Pham on the mound. He's just going to be firing in tight every, every pitch. He's just looking for beef. Reds versus Padres in September. They put Tommy (laughs) Pham on the mound to face Luke Voigt. Drills him, drills him with a 66 mile an hour pitch. And then they just square up. That would be amazing. That'd be good. I'd pay to watch that. Even 15, 20 seconds of that. That would be fantastic. All right, Greg, uh, city connect jerseys. We have a new one. We have two actually, don't we? Did the second one come out already? I think there is a sneak preview of the Angels. Ooh, I didn't see those yet. But we did, I saw for sure, we saw the Colorado Rockies City Connect uniforms. So look those up if you haven't yet. We've talked about the City Connect jerseys last year. This is the first one that came out this season, right? If I'm not mistaken. No, there was the, the Nationals had theirs. Was that this year? That was this season? I think so. I think they came out with it before the season started. Really? I think. Interesting. I think it was like right before opening day they came out with their their concept. Mm, You might be right. It just feels like a long time ago. But yeah, we weren't big fans of those ones. That's for sure. Honestly, the Rockies ones. Yeah, it kind of grew on me. The uniform itself. Like if you saw a fan rocking the uni with, you know, Juan Soto on the back, it's got Mm -hmm. the gray lettering, a little pink, the flower. I, I dig it. It's okay. I wouldn't say I love it, but it grew on me. Okay. Well, 
the Rockies jerseys are actually quite similar. Do you remember, Greg, the there's like a picture of Larry Walker in one of these Rockies uniforms. It was like the uh, the purple. It, it, it looked very similar to this. So the ones I'm talking about were like the black sleeveless ones. And they had like the, the silhouette of the mountains. And then there was like a baseball flying across the chest. And you had the, the number right in the top right of the shoulder as well. So those were kind of a classic. The city, if, if you remember those from back in the day, the Larry Walker era jerseys, these are actually kind of a nod to that. I think I didn't really think of it until after, but I actually do kind of think that they were paying a little homage to those because the, the new ones now they say Colorado across the chest. And then they have the, the same kind of like the Rocky mountain skyline or whatever. I, I don't know what you would really call that, but like, you mm-hmm. know, like the silhouette of the Rocky mm-hmm. mountains. Um, and it's very similar to those jerseys that, that were from the Walker era. Um, they're also green, which is interesting. You know, obviously with the Rockies, you think of purple. Yeah. So that was a bit of a departure. Greg, I know you're a big fan of these. You want to touch on them a little bit? Yeah, I love it. It's that dark. Oh, I'm not good with colors, but like a forest green, I would call it like that deep, deep green. I, I dig it. I dig the colors that are outside of the normal traditional uh, team colors because it's a City Connect jersey. With that being said, I hated Boston, so I was, didn't like those. The concept of the jersey, I get. Yes, it's significant. The jersey's appearance itself, not a fan of. Loved Miami's. Miami's was great. Um, I loved Arizona's, the, the D-backs ones, that, uh, what do you call it, cream color with the serpents yep. uh, across the chest. Love that one. Love the Rockies one. So the Rockies, Greg, also, I don't know if you saw the full unis or if you just saw the jerseys and the hat, but I'm looking at a picture here of Charlie Blackman rocking them, which, uh, first of all, perfect guy to represent. <laughs> he, the guy looks like a fucking mountain man that's yeah. just lived in a log cabin up in the up in the mountains for you know years on years and hasn't shaved his beard once. But they have nice, like, the forest green from the mountains kind of bleeds into the the pants and then you just have these forest green like solid green pants on them uh quite nice actually i believe what's the what do they have on this on the sleeve here is it like a trail pass or something i i don't think i saw that closely yeah there's like a cool little detail on the on the sleeve as well that's oh it's it's some coordinates interesting also says, welcome to Colorful Colorado, which I guess is their state slogan. Uh, features the, the regular CR, the Colorado Rockies logo, on the left sleeve. Um, yeah. The Oh, interesting. Just looking at this here as well. The green that they pulled and also kind of the silhouettes from the mountain is actually uh, from the license plates in Colorado. Okay. I like Pretty that. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then the blue, uh, or the the purple line that goes around the sleeve as well. Some purple highlights around the the letter. They're nice, man. I I, I really like them the more I look at them. They've got an interesting logo on the hat as well. I don't know where this red came from, but 
completely new logo on there. The one thing I've got to say, though, Greg, that I was discussing with, with my girlfriend, actually, these are City Connect jerseys. City Connect. They okay. say Colorado on the chest, Greg. That that's a state. That's not a city. I'm I'm no professional at American geography and maps and shit, but Colorado is in fact a state. So if you're from the Denver area and you're going to Rockies games and you're a fan of the team, you're supporting the team, are you not expecting this to maybe be a little more centric around Denver versus the entire state of Colorado, considering it is a City Connect jersey? And if you are from Denver, are you a little bit disappointed in these jerseys? The other argument is they have no other baseball team, so they, the state that is. So it's not like you got L.A. and Anaheim. They can kind of make a spin on the city itself. You got Denver, which is in Colorado, but they're the only team in there. I, I'm, I'm trying to make an argument the other way. I would, I would te- from a technical standpoint, expect it to be more city-specific or Denver-specific. But with that being said, maybe Denver is just not fun enough to have something completely centralized around Denver. Maybe they had to expand statewide. That is insanely offensive to any denver <laughs> listeners we have here denver, your city right? is so boring that we had to go outside of the city and just represent the entire state but i mean realistically right like they've always been the the colorado rockies it's always been about the state so i guess yeah. they don't want to take away from that celebration of the state and make it focused on denver but it is a city connect jersey so i don't know i think i was kind of expecting more to be like more from the actual city of Denver. Now, um, so the you're... purple piping, Greg. Just um, I pulled up the uh, the article here about them as well. That okay. purple piping around the sleeve is actually uh, they have like a purple row of seats, just one purple row of seats at Coors Field. So that's actually uh, because that's where they measure like the one mile above sea lot sea level that they have there. Those seats are officially one mile above sea level. So nice. that's what the purple piping around the sleeve is. So that's a nice little touch there as well. Um, what was I going to say here? Oh, if you were making one for Texas, let's say, I don't think they're on the schedule to get a City Connect, but they're another team that would be a state namesake as opposed to a city. Would the Texas Rangers City Connect uniform be more of like the Lone Star, Lone Star State theme or would they be specific to arlington that's a great point i think that in that case that's almost one that has to be more focused on the city because you have another team from texas in the state obviously the houston astros yeah houston astros also we i i love those jerseys you had these are you saying these are your second favorite the rockies ones right now yeah I'd say the Rockies are my number two City Connect favorites. What What's your number one right now? Miami, for sure. Yeah. The The originals, agree. actually. I think they were number one. Oh, you know what? I, I Never mind. My number one favorite are the Chicago White Sox, the Southside jerseys. Those are pretty nice. Those are my number one. And then I would probably say so far that Miami is probably number two. Those are super nice as well. 
And then I think I have Houston as number three. So these are probably my number four because I do really like these. Also, the patch that I was talking about, the yellow patch that they have here, it has the nickname Rocks on mm-hmm. it. Um, two black diamonds for double black diamond skiing, Greg. Nice. That's sick. That is cool. Yeah, big fan. Big fan of these jerseys. All right. I mean, how much more can we talk about jerseys when people aren't actually, you know, seeing them? Looking at them. So, <laughs> Go check them out. I guess that concludes our, our uh, City Connect thing. We'll put a post out on at Diamond Gems Podcast, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, we'll definitely make that happen. But they're they're pretty sick. And the Angels ones, Greg, did you find out? Did they, did they officially release those yet? Yeah, it was like it hasn't been officially released, but you can find the pictures pretty easy if you do a quick Google search. Angel City like Connect. They've been leaked. Yeah, they've all leaked early. Yeah, it was a like a full on. You got a nice picture leak, and it was I think Trout, Lorenzen, Cindergard. Um, I forget who else was in the picture. Basically, and Jared Walsh. Those four guys yeah, were Jared just Walsh. they were rocking them. It's pretty basic, like cream color. It had the old school Angels feel to it. Yeah, they look nice. Yeah, they're they're sharp, but they're not out out there. They're not like the mm-hmm. the Marlins or the Rockies where it just came out of left field. They're not taking any crazy risks. You know, yeah. the best part of this: Noah Syndergaard in this photo, barefoot. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. He loves that. That's like a thing. He 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 talked about it in an interview where he just walks around barefoot all the time. It's like he grounding or something like that. Like apparently, it's a big thing that he does. So weird guy. It's funny that keeps it true in this. Yeah, they're pretty nice. We'll 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 get into those another point, uh, maybe in the next episode or something. But yeah. All right, Greg. Well, that leads us into our fantasy segment. We are getting back to it. Basically, anytime we record now on like a Sunday or potentially like even a Monday, we're gonna try to fit in some fantasy notes. We've been kind of all over the place. Once you do it like Tuesday or Wednesday, you're kind of too late into a matchup to really give valuable fantasy advice, I find. But we are recording on a Sunday, and Greg has some picks for you here, and then I will get into mine. Greg, what have you got for us this week? I'm going to start off with my kill, and it's unfortunate to say it, and it's because he's on the IL. I know it's not a serious injury, but when it starts, or when it rains, it pours, essentially. And this name is widely owned and it is Giancarlo Stanton I think it's time to let him go he's finally hit the injured list and I say finally because every year it's inevitable and when he does he's on and off it the rest of the year whether he's seems healthy or not he'll get you a home run in those two games he's back and then he gets injured it's an inevitable cycle of life that's why I am getting rid of Giancarlo Stanton as much as I hate to do it that is a fucking wild take Greg yeah do you realize, I, I just pulled up his notes here. Stanton has resumed hitting, and he could return to action after the minimum 10 days on the injured list. He's He's been minimum days on the injured list how many times? He comes back for, like I said, a couple games, and he's out again. So injuries Greg, are my gonna, reason. He's got a 285 average so far and 11 home runs, 35 RBIs. You're going to drop Giancarlo Stanton. If you got a 285 average, how much is that going to affect you when you're not playing because you're hurt? This is purely injury-related drop. Okay, but if you have the spot on the injured list, don't just drop him, right? Put him him on your injured list. Stash him. Um, If you're absolutely desperate. Yes. 
uh, if you if your injured list is full and you got you know some studs on there that you you need to save, then get rid of Giancarlo Stanton. Um, my short term short term ad, not my Mary, uh, is Aaron Ashby. So you alluded alluded to the fact that was it Freddie Peralta is out mm-hmm. for is it remainder of year, long term, short term? I didn't see the details. They said it's. Uh he's going to miss significant time but yeah. should return at some point this season so we're looking at like a late august september return i think so aaron ashby so far this year has actually registered a save and a hold as a long reliever out of the bullpen for the brewers he made his first start against san diego who just to remind you is doing pretty well this year uh what four or five days ago he went five and two thirds none earned uh four hits five k's uh, I like Aaron Ashby as an ad. I think I'm adding him right now. Actually, I think he should be added and owned everywhere. Uh, so my Mary choice is actually from the St. Louis Cardinals. He is a top prospect. He was 27th, I think, in the most recent MLB pipeline rankings. And he is my Mary. Yesterday, he went three for three with a bomb and four RBIs, I believe. Four for four. Four for four, sorry. And it is Nolan Gorman. I guess it's nice that you knew who I was talking about there. He is going to be in the MLB for a long time. If you have a keeper league, potentially a guy to consider if he gets hot this year, stays hot, and has a great year. I am marrying Nolan Gorman. Nice. That's that's an interesting pick. I actually, the only reason I knew that is because Greg and I are playing each other this week. And currently, Greg... You want to tell the people how it's going? Because I there's room nice. to there's room to turn around. <laughs> going into today, it was basically at a deadlock. You had the yeah, it the was pretty one, much a tie. Yeah, you had one slight edge. Mm-hmm. And it is now I'm up eight four. Yeah, we're in a categories head to head categories league. I'm I'm beating Greg eight to four, just absolutely doubling him. He's he's not having fun right now. I've got a nice 300 average, 845 OPS going. You're not touching me, kid. That's a fucking wrap. I think I got home runs, RBI. What else am I leading in? Saves. I I could catch up in runs. I could maybe get a hold. Maybe. My ERA right now, not looking too good either. So far, I have who I got in here. (laughs) Nicholas gave up six runs so far through five and two-third. That'll that'll hurt the ERA a little bit. I had a... 58 ERA the other day because I just had relievers going and they all gave up multiple runs. You hate to see it. Listen, we're giving fantasy advice here. We're not saying you have to take it because we're not the perfect fantasy people. But if you're a beginner, I feel like you can maybe trust us a little bit. So take it as you will. That's Greg's fantasy advice. Yeah, that's it. Someone else to consider, Kyle Lewis, just got off the DL. Maybe he's going back on it. Who knows? Because uh, he yeah. is day-to-day. But he came back, played four games so far, and had two home runs and one in back-to-back games. So it's a guy I'm keeping my eye on. What is his ownership right now? Do you see that? 17.1 on ESPN. Yeah, that's crazy. That's super low. Yeah, especially with Kelnick in the minors, Kyle Lewis got a clear path to playing time. Yeah, I definitely was going to mention kyle lewis in mine sorry so uh well we'll, i'll I'll get into it right now all right for my streamers i am going to stick to pitchers this week there's a bunch of options for two-star guys this week 
A lot of them you probably don't want to have because they're not very good. So I'll stick to the guys that I think are potentially going to give you some value this week. So the main two guys I want to point out here are guys that are potentially longer term holds. I wouldn't commit to saying that they're going to be good for you for the rest of the season, but they're both doing very well right now and have some indication that they could continue to have success over the next little while. So while they're doing that, why not pick them up? So the first one I'm going to point out is Jacob Junis. He is now with the San Francisco Giants, formerly of the Kansas City Royals. That's where a lot of people might remember him from. His matchups this week aren't great, especially the first one. He's at Philadelphia. Obviously, Philly has a pretty decent offense, so that one's a bit of a test. But then he gets another start next weekend at Miami. Obviously, Miami's a very hitter-friendly or pitcher-friendly park, and the Marlins aren't anything special offensively either. He's only 7% owned currently, so is more than likely still very available in your league. So far this season, through 32 and two-third innings, he has a 276 ERA and a .95 whip. He's also got 24 strikeouts and only five walks. Uh, his 3.82 FIP and some poor underlying baseball savant metrics would indicate that he can't keep this up. But like I mentioned, he's got pretty good numbers going for him so far. He has two starts this week. One of them, the, being the, the weekend one in Miami, is quite favorable. So even if you're not comfortable enough picking him up for Philly tomorrow or Monday, sorry, I guess you don't know when I'm recording this, but uh, for Monday against Philly, if you're not confident in that one, you can kind of you know just let the ship sail on that and see if he's still available against Miami this weekend, which he very well could be because, like I said, he's only 7% owned. The next guy that I'm going to mention is not 7% owned. In fact, he is actually 73% owned. So that's obviously higher than what we normally mention for streamers. But the reason I'm mentioning him is because I already had all of his numbers down and wanted to mention him, but he has just climbed so fast. So he's actually up 24% this week in terms of ownership that's just this week so when at the time that I actually added him to my notes here he was below the 50% threshold but it's just going up so fast and for very good reason that is Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers he currently has a 160 ERA which leads all of baseball for qualified starters and a .99 whip that's across 56 and a third innings 44 strikeouts 14 walks He's been going very deep into games, which is what's helping his innings pitched count. Had a complete game, actually, against Houston on May 20th, which is very, very impressive because, as we all know, Houston is a very good offense. Like I mentioned, leading the league in ERA. He's also leading the league in ERA plus with a 241. That's DeGrom-type shit. 244 FIP shows a little bit of luck. Obviously, basically, you want your FIP and your ERA to kind of line up to tell you if you know if it's a true representation if the FIP is a little bit higher than the ERA shows that the ERA is probably going to come up a little bit and I mean when you have a 160 ERA it's almost always unsustainable unless you're like Bob Gibson 
1968. So, overall, Martin Perez, if he's available in your league, you should definitely rush to pick him up because he's not going to be available for much longer. Uh, His starts this week are, again, not fantastic, but, like, not terrible. Tampa Bay and Seattle are two offenses that are kind of middle of the pack. Uh, Seattle hasn't been that good so far. Tampa Bay, obviously, consistently better. But they're not really a team that you're just going to avoid. And, you know, with the numbers that Perez has put up so far, and he's put up good numbers against good offenses, like I mentioned, had a complete game shutout against Houston. So it's not really the opponents you need to be worried about as much as it is him going out there and, you know, having his best stuff. Because if he has his best stuff, it looks like he's going to be pretty hard to hit. His underlying metrics on Baseball Savant are actually very, very good. He's in the 90th percentile for uh, expected weighted on base average, expected ERA, and expected slug, as well as barrel percentage. So he's actually missing a ton of bats. That is obviously kind of his game he's not a huge strikeout guy his k percentage only 38th percentile so you don't want to you're not counting on him for a ton of strikeouts but if he's missing barrels and he's missing bats he's going to give you depth and lots of innings so definitely a guy that you want to go pick up right now if he's available so the other few uh, guys i just want to mention i have two other ones here Uh, rich hill is against very weak opponents this week He's at home against Baltimore and Oakland, obviously two not very good teams, and Boston is kind of surging right now, so good chance to pick up a win. Typically, Rich Hill, if he's pitching well, will go five or six, but if he has trouble early, Alex Cora has been quick to pull him, so you just have to hope that he kind of sails through the first few innings, and against these weak offenses, he definitely has a chance to do that. The other is George Kirby. He is a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. Currently, his numbers are kind of mediocre. He's got like a 450 ERA and like a 130 whip or something like that. But again, he is against kind of weak offenses. He's at Baltimore and then at Texas. So pretty easy opponents and uh, worth looking into, I think, if if you're desperate, you know, for two starts this week. And again, league context is very important. Depends what you need from your league. If innings pitched is something important to you and the bulk is very, you know, necessary, then definitely worth checking out those two guys. Um, The other guy I just want to mention too, and again, it's kind of a cheating thing because he's not below the 50% threshold that we normally count on. But Tyler Anderson is off to a fantastic start so far in Los Angeles. And he's, I mean, definitely a good add if he's available in your league currently. All right, next up, move on to our Mary. So this is your potential long-term hold type of player for the season. I'm going to go with Kyle Lewis here. He is 17% owned currently, which Greg mentioned is crazy low. At this point, given, you know, his past, he was a rookie of the year in 2020. When he's been healthy, he has been very good. 
He's about 15 at-bats deep into his 2022 campaign because he missed the start of the season with a knee injury. This obviously caused him to be completely overlooked in drafts. No one was really picking him up. I actually stashed him about two weeks ago on my injured list, expecting him to come back soon. And I have so far reaped the rewards of him being back. He's got a couple of home runs. He's got like a 267 batting average. Things are looking good. He's on pace for what he wants. Unfortunately, he is currently day-to-day because he was scratched from the lineup today, which is Sunday, for undisclosed reasons. So obviously, before you rush to pick up Kyle Lewis, make sure you wait and see what this undisclosed reason is. You never really know. He could literally just have like a stomach bug or something like that and be back within the next couple days. But it could also be something much worse, like his knee that he just had surgery on, swelling or having some sort of setback. So before you rush to get Kyle Lewis and before you lock him down long term, make sure you keep an eye on this little day-to-day type of situation that he's got going on here. But overall, I love the upside for him. He's going to get a lot of playing time at DH and outfield with the Mariners. Their outfield has a lot of depth, but has not been that good so far. And obviously the Mariners very much value their rookie of the year guy. So yeah, definitely take a look at Kyle Lewis. And lastly, it's the sad section, which is the kill this week. Zach Plesak getting taken out behind the shed and put down because he still is owned in 47% of leagues and why I am not sure it is dropping. People have kind of realized that he might not be that guy. 43 innings pitched so far. He's got a 540 ERA and a 1.43 whip. He's got a 6.9 career K per nine. So he's never really been like that strikeout guy. So a lot of the time people will hold on to someone if they're putting up really good strikeout numbers, despite, you know, the ERA and whip not being great, just because strikeouts can be very valuable in your league. Unfortunately, he also has a 506 FIP this year. So 540 ERA, obviously that means he's been a little bit unlucky, but he's still expected to have about a 5 ERA. That's not going to cut it. Across 142 and two-thirds innings last year, he had a 467 ERA with a 4.73 FIP. So this is just kind of who he is at this point. Uh, and until he gives us reason to believe that he's more than this, I mean, what he's doing right now is kind of who he is based on what he did last year. So there's just really no reason to hold on to Zach Plesak at this point. I don't think anyone's going to go rush to pick him up based on how he's done. In fact, he just gave up seven earned runs in his last start. So... No one's really going to be picking him up if you drop him. And you can put him on your watch list, you know, and if he starts doing well again, you can go back and pick him up again. But for now, there's a ton of better options out there, like all of the pitchers I just mentioned. And, you know, it, for both streamers and long-term holds, there's better options than Zach Plesak. So you can go ahead and drop him without worrying. And that does it for us today make sure you like subscribe and leave a kind review wherever you get your podcast if you enjoyed this episode 
You should also follow us on Instagram at Diamond Gems Podcast and at Shape by Sports. We have a website at Shape by Sports or a website Shape by Sports.com where you can get a bunch more information about us. That's all for this week. Catch you next week. Take care.